for joining us today for Reducing Property Management Risks in a COVID World. I'm Laura Prouse with Crest Insurance Services. Today, we welcome attorney Mark Carlson from the Carlson Law Group. Mark has been defending real estate professionals since 1993 and has worked with Crest for over 20 years as a founding member of our legal panel. Along with Mark, we have Dave Miller, Regional Vice President with Fidelity Home Warranty. Dave manages the Crest Advantage Home Warranty Plan, which ties in with Crest's E&O insurance. We have a lot to cover, so let's get started. Dave, I'll hand it off to you. Thank you, Laura. And we're uh, excited to be doing episode number two. Episode number one was received very well on all the COVID forms, and uh, we were very proud to uh, educate everybody on that. Today, we're going to get into a little bit of property management because it seems to be a hot topic. Uh, so hopefully, you guys get some great information out of this. Um, Mark, in the past, uh, there seems to have been fewer lawsuits arising out of property management. Now it's one of the leading E&O claims, and even some of the E&O carriers have stopped offering this coverage because of the claims history. What has changed all of a sudden in property management, and why has it gotten so dangerous in California? Well, I think that the um, uh, there's a couple of things to look at. Firstly, the in the past, you know, there was a period when we had an awful lot of frequency in uh, property management claims, and that's when uh, we had the the peak of the uh, of the uh, short sales and in uh, REOs in the 2009 to 2012 uh, time period, where uh, listing agents were having to try to maintain properties as uh, the banks were trying to get people out. And so we had a lot of activity uh, back in, in, in that time period. Uh, the, but I think what's, what's um, making this time period uh, be more uh, dangerous that the claims seem to be getting, the value of the claims seem to be higher than they were back then. Back then it was just the ordinary, you know, you wrongfully evicted me and I incurred addition, you know, had to go to a, another rental and, and that cost me more money, you know, whatever the, the you know, they were more generic uh, um, eviction type of lawsuits. Uh, now we're starting to see, you know, more habitability claims. And I think that that uh, is, that is uh, stemming from a couple of different things. Firstly, um, local, more local uh, uh, governments and cities and uh, are, are uh, enacting their own uh, rent control and tenant protection ordinances. Uh, and so every one of those ordinances that, that are passed uh, seems to have its own uh, attorney's fee provision. So now the value of the claim goes up because there's ability to cover, recover attorney's fees. Uh, and that motivates the, uh, uh, motivates the uh, uh, plaintiff's bar on trying to take those claims when really there may not be any actual damages uh, but there's a technical violation, uh, you know, of, of one of those ordinances. And then now the, uh, the lawsuit is, is filed just so that the uh, attorney can recover attorney's fees. And then they're just not letting them go because they know that at some point they're going to, they're going to uh, uh, be um, successful on the lawsuit. And so they're, uh, meanwhile, they're just churning the, their fees uh, and, and it's, um, it makes it much harder to settle those kind of cases. So I think that the value uh, of those or, or the exposure is going up and that's what's causing uh, insurance companies to not want to write property uh, management. And so it's, it's also an important point uh, now more than ever uh, that if you, if, a, if a, an agent is taking a, a property management uh, client, you have to make sure that you're named as the, as an additional insured on the owner's policy, because uh, there are a lot of uh, care, the, the coverages between a homeowner's policy and an E&O policy are, are completely different. Uh, and so if there's personal injury or if there's uh, uh, any kind of bodily injury, again, personal injury or uh, um, damages that, that uh, are multipliers, 
uh, a lot of times those kind of damages will be covered uh, under an owner's policy that, that aren't going to be covered under an E&O policy. Uh, so with that, you know, it's, you've got to make sure that as an agent, you know, make sure that you have in your property management agreement, uh, the obligation to, uh, for the owner to name you as additional insured, uh, and then get proof of that to make sure that that actually happens. Uh, Cause a lot of times, uh, people will, there'll be that, that provision will be in a lease, but nobody will pay any attention to make sure that it happens. Or if you have a long time property management client, uh, you just forget to ask, you know, every year, what you have to, you have to do in order to protect yourself. All right. So do you recommend redoing those contracts each year, even if they do have a long-term contract so that you can put that wordage in there? The contract doesn't necessarily need to be redone. You know, you don't have to sign a new property management uh, agreement with your, with your owner every year. Uh, but you should have a tickler that allows you to, or that reminds you uh, on every um, uh, on every uh, house that you have or doors they call it that you uh, you know you contact the owner uh, and and ask okay you just renewed uh, and let me let me see the proof that you name me as additional insured. Gotcha, gotcha. Now of course we're in a COVID world, so I have a, a COVID question for you. How has COVID affected property management, and how is it? affected obtaining access to a tenant occupied unit? Well, so now we have another layer of the uh, best practices that we uh, talked about at length in the last, uh, in the last uh, video. Uh, so that, you know, the uh, Cal OSHA and the Department of, uh, of Health uh, for the state of California uh, have issued some guidelines as to how a property can be shown or accessed. It applies both. So now you've got to uh, you know, make provisions for PPE. You have to be mindful of how many people are in a property. Uh, you have to clean up afterwards. So all those things, and uh, I don't want to, to uh, bog this uh, presentation down with, with going over all those things, but uh, that has to all be done, you know, in, re in uh, relative to a landlord tenant uh, or, a, or a either regaining access to a property after a, a, a tenancy terminates or uh, in trying to get access to either show it uh, in anticipation of a sale uh, or, or a new tenant uh, or to make repairs. So all, anytime you go in, now you've got to, you've got to be mindful of the best practices. Got it. And then also how has it complicated the decision whether to evict a renter, uh, if you can uh, tap on that for a few seconds and then explain the importance of using an attorney to do this versus just the property manager or the owner doing it. Cause I think there's been a lot of, of, uh, hot claims in that area. Yeah, so it's, um, <clears throat> I think you gotta first start and look at the economics of being a property manager, right? The margins are thin. Uh, most, you know, your monthly uh, income per house is, is not a lot. Uh, uh, successful property managers uh, have to, uh, you know, have uh, a lot of doors uh, and have to be efficient in order to be profitable. So uh, um, property managers will tend to do things on their own uh, so that they don't have to incur additional cost or go to, or spend the time going to their landlord or owner uh, to get you know money to do something or or to to get an attorney to to uh, be hired. Uh, but and I get all that. Uh, but this is the time period when you really have to be more careful and not try to just be you know do everything on your own uh, because your the 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 risks are are, are much greater. Firstly, uh, you've got you know the uh, the risks of uh, violating some sort of eviction moratorium uh, or rent control protection of local ordinance, right? And they're changing all the time. Uh, so here we are, uh, August 27, and I could tell you what all the uh, 
the moratoriums are and what the restrictions are uh, based on every city and every county. Uh, but it, four days from now, it could be completely different. And so, and, and I've been trying to, you know, for other uh, industry groups trying to keep on top of these things, but they're just changing all the time. Even if you go to, to the, the CAR has a very nice list uh, of the um, protections and ordinances per city and per county, uh, and it's constantly being updated. As soon as they get done, it's like painting the, the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. As soon as you get done with that list, you got to go back and start doing it over again because things have, have changed again. And so it just is outside, uh, you know, the, the um, bandwidth. Uh, not that they, that most property managers uh, don't have the ability to do it, but again, it just is, is just is uh, very hard to keep, uh, to keep up with every single uh, county and every single city that you might have houses in. And so, uh, when you're making the decision as to whether to evict somebody or whether you can evict somebody, that decision has to be made uh, as a, on a case-by-case -case basis at that particular slice in, in time. And so getting an attorney involved to make the decision as to whether there can be an eviction uh, certainly needs to, needs to uh, or, or should, be, uh, should be made. You know, you should get an attorney to help you or help a property manager and owner to, to make that decision as to whether it's legally uh, allowable. Even in contacting a tenant has uh, is, is been regulated now in a lot of uh, the, the, uh, uh, these emergency uh, COVID uh, renter protection ordinances. There's restrictions on what you can ask for and what you can say and what you can't say. So even the decision as to, okay, I, I need to get a tenant out for whatever reason, uh, you need to figure out, uh, you need to determine at that particular point in time what you can do and what you can't do and what you can say and what you can't say. Uh, and then, you know, there's also uh, a um, question of, of just economics. Do I really want to evict this tenant? So if I have a tenant that hasn't been paying rent since March, and now it comes, let's say, September 1, uh, and there's uh, the, all the rent, or, I'm, yes, uh, or September 30th, all the, uh, which currently, at least in the Southern California area and most Bay Area counties, September 30th is the deadline, or is when the rent control, uh, I'm sorry, eviction moratoriums are set to expire if they don't get renewed. Uh, so now here, let's pretend that they don't uh, get renewed and I'm October 1 and I need to make a decision to, to uh, evict somebody uh, because they haven't been paid, they haven't paid March or rent since March. Well, now you've got to decide from a practical perspective, well, if I keep them in there, will they pay back some of that past due rents? Uh, if I evict them, almost certainly you're never going to see that money again. And so it becomes a business decision as to whether you want to try to hope that they'll pay some of that past you back or whether you just want to pull the bandaid off quickly and, and get a new tenant in there and, and hope that, you know, the, the payment uh, stream is a little bit better. Uh, and then there's, of course, there's a, a question that I, don't, that I don't think anybody can answer, whether it's an attorney, uh, you know, or, or property manager is if we have these, these uh, eviction uh, moratoriums and rent control, or I'm sorry, and renter protection ordinances that give uh, tenants a period of time in which to pay rent back that wasn't paid in a COVID time, does that, can you use the outstanding rent as, or rent due uh, as a, a grounds for uh, evicting somebody? In other words, uh, if, the, if there's an ordinance that gives you a, a, a time period to pay back your rent, uh, can you even evict them? Is that even a breach of the lease if they take advantage of that time period, if a tenant takes advantage of that time period uh, in which to pay back uh, the rent? Like in Los Angeles, I think it's, uh, it's uh, going to be up to a year uh, that you have to pay back the rent that you hadn't paid uh, during the COVID period. So it's going to be very uh, complicated uh, as to, uh, you know, who can be evicted and when they can be uh, evicted and you for sure need an attorney to help you out with that. 
Right. Now, there's a lot of real estate professionals that do a little bit of property management and some that just do uh, real estate residential sales. So for those folks, what should they be aware of when they're either listing a property that has renters in it or they're showing a property that has renters in it? What are some things, some basic things that they should be aware of? Well, so this gets into the, the uh, category of what I call uh, property uh, manager by accident uh, or the accidental property manager. So uh, I get a listing, let's say, from a bank uh, on an REO or uh, I get a listing on a, uh, on a property that, uh, where there's a tenant that's occupied and the, and the, the uh, landlord is looking forward uh, to the, um, the end of the lease and, and just wants to try to get the house and you know, market it in, in, in better shape so that it shows well. So now the listing agent goes and makes contact with the, uh, with the um, uh, tenants. There's no property management agreement. They're not collecting rent. They're not doing anything. But then they start interfacing with the tenant uh, and the tenant starts saying, well, I've got this problem. You know, the heater hasn't worked in two years or, uh, you know, this back gate doesn't work. Uh, and now uh, you can become an accidental property manager. If you say as a listing agent, well, I'll go talk to the uh, owner about that. I've had a number of lawsuits uh, where, uh, where there was no actual property management um, relationship uh, and the listing agent got sued uh, as a manager of the owner nonetheless, because these rent control um, I'm sorry, these renter protection ordinances are very, uh, very broad. Uh, <clears throat> so Mark, uh, what should real estate professionals know when they're listing or even showing a property that has renters in it? Because there's a lot of, we talk about real estate professionals that get to be property managers by accident. And so can you touch on that for us? Uh, yeah, so I've been referring to this sort of humorously as the accidental property manager for uh, for years, you know, especially back like in the REO days uh, and the uh, short sale days where uh, a, a listing agent would get either a listing from a bank or from an owner uh, that was, um, uh, you know, prospectively trying to rent the property after a, a tenancy ends. Uh, and then the uh, listing agent goes and, and makes contact with the uh, tenants and then the tenants starts uh, relaying complaints, you know, hey, the heater hasn't worked for a year, the, this gate to the side yard doesn't work, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. And then the, uh, the listing agent says, well, let me go talk to the, uh, the owner about that. Uh, and then the tenant, uh, when they file a habitability claim, uh, includes the listing agent uh, as a manager, uh, you know, or as an agent of the, of the owner. Uh, and um, we've had a number of cases like that over the years where uh, the listing agent did nothing more than just try to secure the property uh, and um, then then gets uh, hooked into a, a habitability lawsuit, you know, naming where the tenant is, is making claims against the owner for problems with the property. Um, and so, uh, you know, it, you just, the, an agent needs to be very careful in, in making it clear to the, uh, to the tenant in that circumstance that they're just there uh, to list the property. And if there's any uh, any kind of, uh, of friction, uh, then it's best just for the, the listing agent to, uh, uh, to leave uh, and then tell the owner, hey, when you get that property uh, vacated, uh, then I'll come and, and look at it and help you get it, uh, you know, prepped, ready, ready for, uh, for sale. And I'll give you a quick um, war story on this. So uh, the, the rent control or rent, renter protection ordinances, uh, almost all of them have language that says, there are certain things that you cannot do uh, that would constitute a violation. But then within that, uh, there's a, another clause at the end that says, and you can't assist anybody 
uh, in doing a prohibited act either. Otherwise, you're violating the statute. And so we had a, a case not too long ago where uh, a, um, uh, an owner had passed uh, and the property was, uh, was held in a will, so it had to go to probate. The owner had let, had let a friend live in uh, another, a unit, a uh, back unit on the property for years and years without any kind of uh, rent being collected. Just the guy was down on his luck and the owner was trying to be nice to him. So the probate uh, uh, attorney made an, uh, an arrangement uh, with the back uh, uh, occupants uh, to leave so that they could sell the property. And then he hired our clients to, uh, to list the property uh, and get it approved through the probate sale. So the, the lawyer... Uh, uh, um, reached an agreement with the, um, with the occupant. Uh, the lawyer prepared a written agreement and then asked our client, hey, you're, I know you're gonna go over there to go, you know, sorry, get ready to do, uh, be listed. Can you take this agreement to the, to the occupant so that he can sign it and get it back to me? And so the, uh, that's all, that was the only contact. There was no dispute. That was the only contact that, uh, uh, that uh, our client had. Uh, and then of course, once he gets off the property, the occupant talked to an attorney that was a violation uh, of that particular uh, renter, renter protection ordinance. And we were brought in on that lawsuit, uh, or our client was brought in on that lawsuit because the act of delivering the letter uh, was assisting within the definition of, the, uh, of that particular ordinance. And of course the, um, uh, the heirs to the estate, didn't, they spent the money as soon as it got released uh, so they didn't have uh, money to to, uh, to uh, pay for the violation that their attorney had uh, had um, uh, uh, conducted or, or had uh, done. Uh, so we ended up paying the, a fair amount of money to try to get out of that lawsuit by delivering a letter. Now, we've heard about this a lot in, in my industry at, at Fidelity National Home Warranty. And when talking to Laura, you know, she had mentioned that she's seeing an uptick of risk management calls from property managers about tenants not letting technicians into the home to make repairs. And, and how is that, how does that work with the, the owners, you know, trying to uphold their lease agreement, but tenants just being really a pain. Uh, field calls off of uh, a few uh, risk management hotlines, Crest uh, of course being one of them. And, and we receive uh, calls like this frequently uh, where the, the property manager will say, Hey, we've been trying to get into a unit uh, and the tenant, you know, is, either not available or we came and they wouldn't let us in because it wasn't good for them at that point in time, or now they're worried about COVID and, you know, what do we do? Uh, and it's um, uh, the, the, you would, the basics of course, uh, and you would think that we get calls from very experienced property managers, uh, but it really is, is just going back to the basics, take a look at the lease. What does the lease say? Um, you know, get a copy of the lease and go with the, to, or show it to the tenant so that the tenant remembers uh, because it, there are, most every lease has provisions that uh, deal with getting access and the notice that's required. Uh, and it isn't really a, a code or, you know, or, or a civil code section uh, question or, or where you'd find the answer. Uh, the answer is, is almost always <clears throat> derived out of the lease itself. So, you know, they just have to, uh, the, the landlord uh, or the property manager needs to go back, take a look at the lease, uh, and then they can protect the themselves and the landlord a bit better because if they uh, point out to the, to the tenant, uh, okay, the landlord has the obligation to maintain the property uh, and the lease provides that we can come in with no notice if there's an emergency, which is sort of how the standard uh, or the CAR lease provides, uh, or 
um, you know, if it's uh, advanced, advanced notice and whatever the circumstance may be, we've given that notice. You're telling us that there's a condition that needs to be repaired, but you're not allowing us to repair. So now you've protected yourself because even on the most tenant friendly uh, ordinances uh, that um, uh, uh, correcting safety issues uh, or damage to the property is, is almost always something that uh, a landlord has a, a fairly wide latitude to be able to do. Oh, and so, I see, yeah, go ahead. No, I just say, so before, you know, you go, you do, you call, pick up the phone and call a hotline, uh, the property managers in that circumstance should go dig out the lease and, and see what it says. Right, I think if it's a smaller issue, like an appliance, it's probably okay. But when you have a major issue, like uh, maybe a, a massive plumbing leak or a water heater, uh, that really affects the owners or the renters being in the property. That's that's where it probably gets a little bit more tricky if they are reluctant to let anybody in. Right. Well, there's uh, yeah, there it's a habitability issue for the tenant. Uh, whether the condition is is uh, also um, creating a habitability issue for neighboring uh, tenants. Uh, those are all things that that need to be considered. But but if there's any, usually if there's a safety or if there's a, a condition that's actively causing damage, most leases allow. Uh, immediate access uh, by the by the landlord, uh, and even if you get to a property and you know there's water coming out the front door, you know like in a uh, one of those uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons, you know, and then you open it up and it's a big flood that comes out. Uh, you know, you can in most circumstances as a landlord, you can go in even if the tenant isn't there uh, in order to create or to, to fix those kind of issues. But you know, then on the flip side of that is uh, you can't make a mountain out of a molehill. You know, you can't. Um, uh, say that a, a uh, an emergency condition exists just because you want to get a look on the inside. And we've had these kind of calls uh, from time to time too, uh, where they're just nervous. They get reports that there's suspicious activity by uh, by an occupant. Uh, and so they want like the property manager and the owner want like crazy to get in there. Uh, but, and so they try to fabricate, you know, uh, an emergency, emergency condition. So you got to be careful. You got to resist that and look at the lease and, and follow, uh, follow what the lease provides. Most every lease allows for, uh, inspection periodically uh, without a, a reason, provided that adequate notice is, is given. Perfect. We appreciate all your time today, Mark. Uh, some great information on property management. Uh, for those who do it and those that approach it uh, maybe by mistake uh, in their real estate transaction. So hopefully this information was valuable. We look forward to the next uh, webinar series, uh, number three in a couple of weeks. And uh, Laura and Mark, thank you so much for the time. All right. Thank, thank you, you for the invite. Very informative. And just to let the uh, real estate professionals know who are watching, a copy of this webinar is available on the Crest Insurance homepage if you look under the Claim Prevent blog. Mark and Dave, thank you so much. Very informative as always. And I'll see you soon. Thank you.